you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? We'll be in Mark chapter 1, and we'll actually spend two Sundays on this passage, Mark 1, verses 35 through 39, for we read that passage, the beginning of that song the choir did resonated with me, I was lost, I was alone, and the world had a hold of me, but Jesus, amen. It's a word for anybody who's lost, alone, maybe the world does have a hold of you this morning, Let's let's not sing it, let's do it. Let's turn our eyes upon Jesus and look full at his wonderful face as displayed here in Mark 1.35. Rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. He said to them, let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus. And would you use these verses, both this morning and next Sunday, for our good, for our benefit to change our lives, to change the trajectory of where we're headed if we're not heading in the right direction, to help our families, to help our loneliness, to help our fearfulness, to help our anxiety, to help liberate us from the prison of pride. Your word is alive and it is active and it is sharp. So pierce us where we need the piercing, Heal us where we need the healing. We trust you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We may be seated, of course, and uh, want to come at this passage from a particular perspective. And I do believe these verses help us learn how to be both thick-skinned and still have a gracious heart. Isn't that a hard balance? To be thick-skinned... In other words, not to be easily discouraged, not to be easily swayed, not to be easily knocked off course, while simultaneously having a gracious heart. Now, my guess is, for many of us this morning, we have to choose between the two on an ongoing basis, right? I mean, we'll either be thick-skinned or gracious-hearted. And what we'll see here in these passages, these, these verses teach us how to, like Jesus, be both. Because from this point on, in fact, in this passage and then moving forward, Jesus is going to be constantly criticized. I don't know that we'll come to a passage and study about Jesus from this point on that he's not harshly criticized, he's not condemned, he's not misunderstood, his words aren't misappropriated, he's not maligned. It's all going to come and it's going to culminate, of course, with his crucifixion. And yet, simultaneously, every passage that we study, you will find Jesus with a gracious heart. He is kind. He is compassionate. Yes, there will be some times he is righteously indignant and full of what's righteous anger. But he's always both. And how is it that he is both? 
Well, Mark 1, verses 35 to 39, teach us these things. I was reading this, and you may have seen this before. It kind of circulates around um, the internet or emails or social media. How many of you, how many of you grew up in an agricultural setting? You kind of grew up on the farm, all right? I didn't, and every one of you who did grow up on a farm are saying, we already knew that. Like, we can, we can kind of tell, right? I grew up in the suburbs, but I love this, um, I love this little article that I see every once in a while. It's called Advice from a Farmer. So here's the advice from a farmer. It says, your fences need to be horse-high, pig-tight, and bull-strong. That's pretty good advice, isn't it? And you'll quickly find out we're talking metaphorically, right? He says, life is simpler when you plow around the stump. Or a bumblebee is faster than a John Deere tractor. I didn't know that. <laughs> Apparently he found that out. He says, words that soak into your ears are whispered, not yelled. A couple more. There's more than I'm reading, but he says, it doesn't take a very big person to carry a grudge. You cannot unsay a cruel word. This is good advice, isn't it? When you wallow with pigs, expect to get dirty. Most of the stuff people worry about is never going to happen anyway. Remember that silence is sometimes the best answer. Don't interfere with something that's not bothering you. If you find a, yourself in a hole, the first thing is to stop digging. The biggest troublemaker you'll ever have to deal with watches you from the mirror every morning. And one more, and then we'll be done. Letting the cat out of the bag is a whole lot easier than putting it back in. Now that's some good, sort of practical life advice. And what I want to do this morning is use this passage to give you some of the most practical counsel that you're ever going to hear. It's very, very practical, but we would all know that some of the most practical counsel is often the hardest things to actually practice. And so in some ways, I would tell you what, what, what the lesson is, what the sermon's about this morning, is the most helpful counsel you are likely ever to receive. But then I want to tell you simultaneously, we need God's grace to help us believe that and then actually do this. The good news for us as believers in Jesus, those of us who follow him, is we are on our way to heaven. That's some glorious good news, isn't it? And you know what heaven is? Heaven is all that the infinite love of God would desire to give you and all the infinite power of God is able to give you. Now that's a good definition of heaven. It's not my own. I read that earlier this week, but it's true. What Heaven's going to be everything that the love of God wants to give and all that the power of God is able to give. And we're on our way there, but friends, we're not there yet. And so my counsel this morning is we're going to see from Jesus how is it that while he was on earth, he was able to maintain an understanding of where he was headed. I long for heaven, do you? I find myself longing more for heaven every day. I'm finding my soul is resounding more and more with Paul when he said, my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Well, we're here in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, and just before we jump in, let's remember where we've been. This is the day after the Sabbath. It's the first day of the week. So really we're reading about Jesus on a, on a Sunday, truthfully. And the previous day, do you remember what has happened? He has taught in the synagogue as one having authority, not as their scribes. He's cast out demons in the synagogue. Then he's left from the synagogue and he's gone to Simon, Peter's house, uh, with Andrew and James and John. And we got there 
uh, Simon's mother-in-law was sick with a fever and Jesus healed her. And then the whole town, remember from last week, the whole town gathered at the door and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. It's verse 34. He would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him and rising very early in the morning. So all that to say is the day that we're speaking about has been preceded by a really busy day. A really intense day. And what does Jesus do the next day? The Bible says he rises very early in the morning. And while he was still dark, he went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. So my main point is this. I'll go in and give it to you. My main point is that Jesus used solitude and prayer to keep his priorities in order. Jesus used solitude and prayer to keep his priorities in order. Look at the, look at the um, next verse. Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. Do you have any uh, uh, large number of demands in your life, kind of where you are? What's the most demanding thing you're facing today? And, and y'all are facing some significantly demanding things. Some of you are primary caretakers of a loved one. Some of you face the demands of you're in the parenting stage, right? I counted up the number of questions that I was asked yesterday, and it was six million. <laughs> six million questions. Five and a half million of those was the same question. Just brought again and again and again. But you, you know what I mean with the demands coming. The previous day had been intense, but there's no break. So this is helpful for my life. This is helpful for my life. To know that we won't prioritize the Lord when things slow down. We won't. If we're not prioritizing the Lord when things are really busy. See, I think that's actually a strategy that the enemy uses sometimes. Why don't you get serious about the Lord? Here's how it works. The new year starts, right? Why don't you just get serious about the Lord? This new year and new goals and new... We'll get serious about the Lord, but, 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 but wait, why don't you just wait until, you know, the first month has subsided, and then it's, why don't you just wait till school's out, and then it says, why don't you just wait till the summer's over, and then, you know, and you just go through this, you can go through this whole cycle of life and never really get serious about the Lord. So the first thing we see about Jesus is, in the midst of intense pressure and busyness and demands, here's the demands, everyone is looking for you. So, so here, here's where where we're at in that verse when it says Simon Peter searched for him, that, that word in the original Greek language has a certain emotion behind it. This is not a friendly search. This is an intense search, and the, and the connotation behind it is it's kind of an angry or anxious search. It's not the same word that's used, for example, when it says seek first the kingdom of God. Now, this is actually a word that's often translated hunted, Right? It's, it's the kind of searching you do when you've asked your child to be home at 6 and at 7 o'clock and they've not come home, right? Or the kind of searching a boss does when the meeting's happening and the person who's supposed to give the report's not there. They go out searching, but there's a certain feeling behind it. Does that make sense? So when Simon Peter's coming and looking for Jesus, everyone's looking for you. We can put the pieces together, right? I mean, what's happened the previous day is that this is good news. This is where we ended last week. Simon's house has gone 
from being the house where there's a sick lady there to there's healing there. Why? Because Jesus has entered the house, right? And we ended last week that that should be the testimony of her life, that here's somebody who was once sick, but now that's actually the person who was sick is now healed by Jesus. We're talking spiritually speaking. So if you want life, go there. But now the whole town has showed up, and so it's just like the next day is happening, and the surge is coming, and Jesus, where are you? It's a little bit like uh, Martha when he says, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care that I'm doing all the serving? It's sort of a certain looking for Jesus. And truthfully, friends, this is how a lot of people look for the Lord. They have an agenda for him and a to-do list for him. And that's what Simon Peter is saying. Everyone is looking for you. Question, why are they looking for him? Answer, not to hear him preach. Why has Jesus come? I must go to other places. Yeah, I know there's a buzz here in Capernaum, but I actually have to go to other places too. What's the word he uses? To preach there also because that's why I've come. Now, quick question. Why are they going to turn against Jesus ultimately in just a little matter of uh, about a year and a half? Because of his healings? No. Why? When they heard the hard things that he said, John 6, 66, many turned away and no longer followed him. Right? So... Here's what's going on, is that Jesus is having other people seek to set the agenda for him, and yet he's adopted a practice in his life that, that is, he can keep his priorities straight. Did you know this about life? Somebody will set the agenda for you. Did you know this? Somebody else will set the agenda for you. And if you're not careful, if you're not cautious, you'll begin to string days, weeks, months, years, a life together where you are always doing according to somebody else's agenda and somebody else's demands. Everyone is looking for you. So what is it that Jesus does in the midst of it? What we see Jesus do here is absolutely necessary for spiritual maturity. Do you have a desire in your life to be a spiritually mature person? The scriptures are always encouraging us to this. For example, Ephesians 3 so that we will no longer be carried about by every wind and doctrine, but will be mature in Christ. In other words, you're not just carried about by the current of the, of the day, whether that's the world's opinion or somebody else who's telling you what to do. That's, that's not from the Lord. Now, I am a dad of four children. We've been, uh, Julie and I, in this wonderful child-rearing season for 14 years now, and it is wonderful, and I love it. But I am often around and routinely around immaturity. Somebody say amen. I love my children, all of them. But we have dealt with some immaturity. Each of my children has gone through a season, or is in a season, where they were determined to do things for themselves that they were not quite up for. They wanted to dress themselves. And they'd come in and say, I dress myself in the shirts on backwards, pants are on inside out. Shoes on the wrong feet, right? And they look at me with all the pride they can muster and say, I did it myself. Well, friends, spiritual maturity begins with a bold, humble, clear declaration that we cannot do life ourselves. We cannot do it on our own. It means for me, I say, I cannot raise children on my own. I cannot be a good husband on my own. I cannot serve this church well on my own. Prayer... Prayer is the opposite of pride. You know, the number one reason people don't pray is pride. Not because we're too busy. We actually get in a place in life, spiritually speaking, where we don't think we need to, right? Jesus is the most spiritually mature 
full of life person there's ever been and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark he departed and prayed well friends prayer is the opposite of self-reliance and autonomy and this means something because americans we define ourselves as autonomous and self-reliant right spiritual maturity requires two things that are very rare in our day solitude and prayer well we just want to look sort of generally at what Jesus does here because uh, every single day again just say this one more time and then we'll get into the scripture here every single day someone else will set the agenda for you if you let them or you'll set an agenda for yourself that's not really of the Lord it is only we track them together it is only through consistent solitude and prayer that we can allow God to graciously give us direction in our lives if we don't do this and I'm willing to uh, guess that many of you would back me up on this immediately right if we don't set aside time for this purpose the really 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 important things are placed on the back burner and we'll live by the tyranny of things that seem urgent while the things that are truly urgent are set aside isn't that exactly what we see in this passage they're looking for him where is he where is he they're searching for him everybody is looking for you well I, I think in line with what's going on here a, 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 a better way of saying it is Jesus everybody who wants you to do for them what they think you, that they want you to do for them is looking for you do you know what I mean everybody who has an urgent physical need that you've demonstrated that you can heal from they want you to do that they're not necessarily interested in why you've actually come but Jesus withdraws in solitude and prayer so this is true of Jesus and friends this might liberate some people this morning you're not going to be able to do everything that everybody asks you to do I was pausing there so you could say amen hallelujah some of us some of us are run ragged trying to do everything that everyone is asking us to do now you do need to do some of the things people need you to do but friends I'm just gonna tell you I'm just gonna tell you if you're not cautious and careful you'll crowd out the one voice that you need in life the Lord through his word while you're trying to accommodate what everybody is so urgently asking you to do here's the truth the crowds even the disciples even Simon maybe we would say especially Simon, is not really going to understand the mission and heart of Jesus who does understand the mission and heart of Jesus his father does that's why he makes this a priority again friends he's going to be misunderstood misrepresented misquoted maligned constantly criticized and ultimately crucified so how does he in the midst of that continue to be tender-hearted and thick-skinned by intentional purposeful non-negotiable times of solitude and prayer so let's here in the text let's go ask a few questions number one question number one here's how we'll work through it we'll ask questions number one when did Jesus seek solitude and prayer you ready verse 36 or 35 rising very early in the morning when does Jesus seek solitude and prayer early in the morning now I'm looking around yeah it's a challenge isn't it 
How many of you are morning people? Bless your names. Bless you. Not bless you. You know. I'm not. Not a morning person. When when it's time to get up, my first question is, what day is it, right? What is today? (laughs) What's going on, right? I'm, I'm envious, hopefully not in a sinful way, of morning people. But again, remember the previous day for Jesus had been so exhausting, yet Jesus is up early to pray. The uh, the spiritually mature person sees solitude and prayer not as a burden, but as a blessed necessity. Now, probably for every person in this room, there is somebody that you know, either personally, like you really love this person, or maybe it's somebody you've always longed to meet. Maybe it's a star athlete, or maybe it's a, a hero that you've had, or so on and so forth. And if... In the morning at 6 a.m., if not 5.30 or earlier, you could meet with that person, would you get up and do it? Yes! But what I'm telling you is, you have an invitation to meet with God in the mornings. It doesn't have to just be the mornings, no. But why is it that Jesus is up early? Because the first hour of the day, it does set the pace for the rest of the day. What is it that you do first in the morning? Now, I just brainstormed a little bit, and I jotted a few things down from my own life. But maybe just some educated guesses, right? Now, again, we're saying, this is already hard for me because you're saying to seek the Lord in the morning, and I'm not a morning person. But I would encourage you, I'd have to tell myself this over and over, it's not a matter if you're a morning person or not, it's a matter if you're a maturing person or not. So we want to be like Jesus. Well, Jesus did this first thing because the way you begin the day how you live the day and how you end the day are usually uh, pretty intertwined so first thing you do up in the morning anybody first thing you do is you make coffee anybody first thing you do I've had people tell me that don't even talk to me until I've had my second cup of coffee how many of you very first thing you roll over and you check your phone very first thing sitting there on the nightstand roll over scroll scroll, and then go back to bed. Some of you. How many of you exercise first thing in the morning? <sighs> no, I'm just teasing. Very healthy, but great. Proud of you. Bless you. How many of you do? This is maybe the same as check your phone. How many of you check social media first thing? Where's the notifications? Who's messaged me? What's going on? How many of you check the scores? That was me. Okay, that's Brandon. He's a How many of you, first thing, you turn on the news or you turn on the TV? Friends, I want to tell you, whatever the Today Show is doing tomorrow, it's not better than being with the Lord. And again, again, beating this drum a little bit, spiritual maturity requires consistent times of solitude and prayer. Well, what we do first usually indicates a lot about us, doesn't it? And again, and again, and again. This isn't a legalistic demand and, hey, we're going to send somebody to check on you in the morning. I, I, I want you to... Uh, receive this as an invitation from the Lord to spend time with him so that you don't get caught up in the current of everybody else's expectations and demands, right? So I encourage you to allow God to shape your day. Hey, you can pray and exercise at the same time. That's probably true. You can have your cup of coffee by the Bible. That's probably true. But, but make sure that the, whatever it is that you're doing, that it does involve the Lord is my encouragement to you. Because we need more than coffee to energize us, more than scrolling through Instagram to inform us, much more than the morning's headlines to encourage us, and a little bit more than cereal toast to sustain us. Amen? We need to meet with the Lord. If not, we will drift into 
everybody's looking for you and you'll live your whole life by whatever that crowd is telling you that you should do. When did he do it? First thing, where did he do it? Where did he go? Rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. He went out to a desolate place. It's actually the same word often translated as desert. Same word from when he was tempted in the wilderness. It's a, it's a deserted place. Capernaum was a village and, and truthfully in those days, and some of you have traveled to other places in the world where it's like this, there's not a lot of privacy. There's not. Been to places. I've been to uh, uh, India, for example. You, you don't have your own little quiet office to retreat to in India, right? You don't have space. So, so what Jesus is saying is he's gone from the house, he's He's, he's gone a little ways out to a desolate place. What's the implication of the desolate place? He has removed himself from what? He's removed himself from distractions. He's removed himself from distractions and interruptions until what? Oh, blustering Simon Peter comes over. Everybody's waiting for Jesus. So he, uh, while everybody was looking for him, he was seeking the Father. That's what this whole passage is kind of about, right? While everybody's looking for him, he's looking for the Father. So you will do well to have a space removed from distractions. I have found in my life, if I'm going to do this, this little bad boy has to go, right? Has to be laid aside somewhere in another room away. I, I was, um, this was not intentional. I was trying to practice what I preach and continue to cultivate the, and it's an ongoing fight to seek the Lord. And I put the phone in another room and then somehow it got connected to this watch, and I didn't do it on purpose or intentional. I've just flubbed something, and, and then all of a sudden I'm there, and I'm praying, and then boom, here comes these alerts in the phone. Your, everybody's looking for you, might sound a lot like uh, phone notifications, right? And you've got WRAL telling you what the weather's going to be today. And you've got Instagram alerting you that whoever you follow has got a new video for you to go watch. And then, and, and then you've got uh, emails. Anybody still do email? E the email pings. And then the text, and then you've gone through, and, and you know who the text is from before you look at it because you've customized all the sounds, right? And, and there's Chewbacca's roar, and then, I, no, that's just me. Okay, so, so that, that, that tells you that's from so-and-so. And then there's these constant distractions. We live in such a distracted age. I mean, truth be told, when is the last time you really did seek solitude away from distractions? Your soul needs solitude like your stomach needs Moe's queso, but that's just where my mind is this morning. Got to have solitude. Why? Why? Because in our frail, sinful humanity, very frequently, this isn't true of Jesus here, but it is true of us, very frequently we cannot hear the Lord until all the other voices are removed. He went out to a desolate place. I read this week about a surge in popularity for vacationers going to a certain place in Idaho near a deep river canyon. You know the reason it has become so popular? Because no cell phone yet made has a signal there. And people have a yearning to get away, to be untethered to their phones and to technology. Well, there were no cell phones. There were no cell phones, of course, in Capernaum. 
but there were distractions. And in every age, the enemy will leverage every resource. The world, the flesh, and the devil will leverage all the resources they can muster to keep you from seeking solitude and prayer because when you do that, you might just hear from the Lord. Leverage everything in his arsenal to keep you saying, I'm sometimes in the word, but I'm not under the word. That was a statement that was made at Passion Camp, and I've just been thinking about it since, since then. I think we are people who are in the word at our church. We are a word people, but are you in the word or are you under the word? Uh, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, when you pray, go into your closet, close the door, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Do you know what the reward is? It's him. It's knowing him. It's him giving you direction in your life so that you're not, again, cast to and fro by every wind of doctrine and every expectation and everybody's input on what you should be doing in your life. The time of solitude is about what we might call alignment. Anybody ever get your tires aligned? Why do you get your tires aligned on your, on your automobile, I mean, right? Because, because it's shifted off course. It's no longer straight. So you got to come to the Word. Now, real quick, while I said we're doing this in two weeks, is next Sunday, our whole study is about what to do, how to have time with the Lord when nobody is around. So we're going to get the practical specifics of how to do that next Sunday. This Sunday is all about an encouragement that you would purpose in your life, whatever it takes. I will do this. Do you have a place that you can go for quiet and solitude? I just heard some of you moms say, no. You have a place you can go every day, 30 minutes. Here's some advice that I have taken to heart and it has been so helpful. I believe it's in John Stott's book. Um, John Stott's book. He said, every day, take at least 30 minutes. Every week, take an extended two to three hours. Every season, winter, fall, summer, spring, every season, take a day. And every year, take a week, right? Most of us, honestly, would be better off taking a week to quietly think and pray than whatever we typically do on vacation, right? Be alone with the Lord for him to get alignment. He said, I just need alignment in my life. Well, we've got uh, when he did this early in the morning, where he did this in a uh, desolate place. Number three, what does he do? And there he complained. Let me, let me ask you, this is a convicting question for my life. What is it that you do when you have moments of peace and quiet? Like, honestly, if you just were going to be removed from distractions and you just had an hour, what would you do? Would you stream Netflix for an hour, right? And it just goes and it does the thing where it says, the next up, and then you just, you don't even touch the remote, it's going to come on, right? You're just going to sit here and veg out, right? Or would you complain or... You understand what I'm saying, right? Jesus, when he gets alone, he, he prays. Jesus is a prayer. He prays constantly. He prays when he's tempted. He prays when he's serving. He prays for his disciples. He prays for Jerusalem. He's praying as he's being crucified. In fact, his last words are prayer. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And all that Jesus does besides praying is rooted and overflows from his praying. I think we can see that in his life. The only thing that sustains prayer is the conviction that God is worthy to be sought. Sometimes it's not a lack of discipline, it's honestly a lack of desire. 
And again, we'll talk more next week about the practical, how do we do it? And then, and then the last question, we've talked about when, where, what. The most important question, though, is why? Why does he do this? I believe I mentioned to you last Sunday, and anytime we read the Gospels, they are written with the intention that you always read each passage with the end in mind, right? So would you turn with me to Mark chapter 16? I'll take just a moment. I'm never sure I love this passage, Mark 1, but I'm not sure that I ever saw it quite this way. So this week as I was studying, this was really helpful for my life, and I believe it will be helpful for yours as well. We're going to read Mark 16, 1 through 7, and then what I'd like to do is take just a moment to compare the two, right? Because you remember, it had been a Sabbath. Jesus had taught in the synagogue, and then he'd healed. So when we are in Mark 1, 35, and it says very early in the morning, he arose, what day are we talking about? We're talking about the first day of the week, right? Sabbath is over. First day is the next day. That day would be, in our vernacular, it would be Sunday. And now this is Sunday. Verse 1, chapter 16. When the Sabbath was passed. Right, it had been the previous day. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen. What are we talking about? Very early on that morning. They went to the tomb, and they were saying to one another, Who will roll the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go... Tell his disciples, and guess who, and Peter, that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. You'd have known that if you'd really listened. And they went out and fled from the tomb, trembling and astonishment, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. There's so many, there's so many interesting parallels between Mark 1 and Mark 16, and I do believe they are intentional first of all what do these two scenes have in common first they both take place on the first day of the week right we've already mentioned that and both take place early in the morning in the first scene peter is looking for jesus right searching for him till he found everybody's looking for you in the second scene is peter looking for jesus no but what has what has changed jesus is looking for him it's interesting, isn't it? And I think the one scene has everything to do with the other. Why is Jesus very early in the morning, while it was still dark, going to a desolate place to pray? Because he knows this is where he's going. So one scene, Mark 16, informs the other scene. What is it? What is it that Jesus is up against? Jesus is walking to Jerusalem, and while he's doing that, hardly anybody will applaud him, appreciate him, encourage him, say thank you. Hardly anybody. In fact, I'll go read Mark again. I'm, I'm ready to say nobody will, except what? We already read it. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. 
And you know what the solitude is all about? For Jesus to keep that before him. For Jesus to say, it doesn't matter who is well pleased with me, except for my Father. Everybody's looking for you. Everybody wants you to do these things. When he was physically healing people, everybody is looking for him. When he's offered his life a ransom for many that you'd be saved for your sins, nobody is looking for him. Teaches us something about ourselves, doesn't it? So you know what our hope is? That even when we weren't clued in to what he was doing, he still came looking for us. Amen? You were lost and alone. The world had a hold of you. And when that's true of you, you make demands of God that are not aligned with who he is, with his word, that you haven't yet realized that Jesus, oh, they don't see it in Capernaum yet. Jesus has actually come to do so much more for them than they knew. I love in the second scene, in fact, most of the Gospel of Mark is based on the eyewitness accounts of Peter. So I think he's clued into this whole thing as well. And the second scene, Jesus does let Peter know where he is. And he also lets Peter know where he can be found. And he lets Peter know that he is looking for him. And I want you to know that, friends. Jesus is looking for you. In the second scene, Jesus is revealed as the seeker. It's our fighter verse for this upcoming week. For the Son of Man came to, came to seek and save the lost. Now Peter's misunderstanding and frustration in Mark 1, the first scene, are endured by Jesus in that first scene because Jesus knows the cross and the resurrection are coming. So again, friends, in conclusion, the alignment, the alignment we get with the Father in times of solitude, in prayer and the word, sustains us when everyone around us is making their demands. Again, next Sunday we'll be much more specific about how. That's the question we haven't answered yet, right? How to spend time alone with the Lord. But we're going to wrap up this morning with this simple question. And then this question and how you might answer it will lead us into our time of response and invitation. Do you desire time removed from distractions and demands for the purpose of aligning with the Father's heart? That's our question. Do you desire this? Do you desire time removed from distractions and demands for the purpose of aligning with the Father's heart. Aren't you grateful? Aren't you grateful that Jesus could never be swayed from his purpose? And the world, the world needs more people like Jesus in the sense that what is your purpose in life? He said, I've come to make disciples of all nations so that you would make disciples of all nations. We're going to stand together. Let's stand and we're going to pray. And we're going to go right into a time of invitation and response. It might be helpful if you bow your heads with me and we'll pray. That if, perchance, right now in a season of life, right now, you're not regularly having times of solitude and prayer, would you just think through, what is it? What's my number one barrier? Is it pride? I just don't really believe I need to. Is it a, is it a addiction to entertainment? 
watched a lot of television or movies this week and I've not spent a lot of time in the Word. Maybe you just cultivated an appetite that takes up a lot of time. Again, my invitation to you is the world doesn't offer you anything that's superior to what God has extended to you in Jesus. To know him times of solitude and quiet. I'm going to stand here in just a moment as we sing. If you've got a burden, a concern, maybe you just say, Pastor Brandon, would you pray in agreement with me that God would deepen my desire to spend time with him so that when I'm in the world, I could be an effective ambassador. If you've got a particular concern, maybe you want to seek the Lord on your own. Jesus is our high priest, amen. There's no barrier between you and him. You want to come here and seek the Lord? Father, I thank you for Jesus. We believe you are worth seeking. Would you awaken a deeper desire in our souls, a deeper desire in our souls to spend time in solitude and prayer? Thank you, Jesus, that you always had the end in sight from the beginning. It was our salvation. It was our eternal healing. It was so we could spiritually see. It was so we spiritually rise from the dead. Thank you, Jesus. Whether it was Simon or the crowds, no demand upon you spoke louder to you than obeying the Father. And therefore, you've been highly exalted and you have the name above every name. Thank you, Jesus. Lead our time now of response and thinking. Help us to really think. Make some important decisions for our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.